you've been caught in the middle of a war, America. And it's not ending anytime soon. It's a war for control between nationalists and globalists. And for American conservatives who believe in the Constitution and just want to live in a free world. Time is running out. Their path to power is clear and they're well on their way. They know that if they can control the food. Thousands of farmers have been taken to the streets of Sri Lanka for weeks to protest a ban on imports of chemical fertilizer. If they control our energy. If they don't try and put this energy crisis under control, that there will be rationing when it comes to this winter, that there could be even social unrest. They control our wealth. Reining in the, quote, Wild West of crypto, those comments coming from the EU, is it agreed to landmark regulation in the crypto space? Then they will also control the people. It's happening all over the world, and it's already happening here, too. Bill Gates became the largest individual owner of farmland in America. Tonight, I will show you the steps both globalists and nationalists around the world are taking to control your life forever. Tonight, Farmland Wars, the global takeover of America's land. Hello, America. Um, I want to start with this. If you've ever thought, oh, Glenn Beck is crazy. First of all, you're not alone. Even I have thought that from time to time. But I want you just to listen for just a second. A fascinating thing happened just last week in the House that eventually culminated over the weekend. And the headline from CNN was, and I quote, McCarthy is speaker, but the extremists hold the power. To the left, people like Chip Roy, I'm an extremist. I'm an extremist. Um, but he's not even considered um, anything better, even by his own party, the GOP. In the heat of the battle, Republican Dan Crenshaw likened Chip Roy and Byron Donalds and Lauren Borbert and all of them um, that were trying to get things that I think all Americans should be for. Uh, he labeled them as terrorists. Wow, what are those crazies trying to do? Were they planning insurrections? What brought out all of the powerful Republican institutions and mouthpieces to condemn this wild bunch of congressional terrorists so passionately? Well, one of the major reforms they got, and you're not going to believe it, was they actually posed, uh, uh, posed a, a, a regulation that there would be a 72-hour wait period so bills could be read before getting voted on. Wow, that's the worst attack on government since the Civil War. I, uh, if you're liberal, you've thought I was crazy, um, hang on. I, I'm not saying this about CNN. I'm saying this about the Republicans. How could anyone who says they're a conservative be against rule changes like you got to have it out for 72 hours before we vote on a 5,000-page bill? How about this one? We should be allowed to debate the bill. I have to tell you, there are three sides to war that's being fought. How is someone like Chip Roy in any world considered the bad guy last week? You may not like him for other things, but just last week, there is a war brewing in Congress. 
And I couldn't applaud it more. And I wish more Democrats would join. Things cannot continue the way they have been. The interesting thing is, when you look at the people who actually believe in the Constitution and that we actually, we don't have closed door meetings and backroom deals and payoffs and graft, those people in the Republican Party, certainly no ally to the modern day Democratic Party, but they're also not allied to the status quo GOP. They are friendless. Now that's interesting. You've got three factions. You have one that is fighting for, I, I don't even know, national uh, uh, socialism, and the other one fighting for maybe international socialism. I don't know, but these two agree on an awful lot, but they're making us think that they're enemies. Meanwhile, the one that is always targeted is people like you. Now, I say this is fascinating because it is an odd microcosm of what is happening all over the world now. Tonight's show is about America, but it's really not. Share this with your friends in England and France. Do you know this phrase, which I can't say on YouTube, um, this phrase really wasn't understood or known until a year ago today. A year ago, we released this book. Things have changed dramatically in America, but not in Europe. Why? Because this book hasn't come out in Europe. This book, there's nobody like me or, you know, that, that's willing to say these things that has the kind of cultural impact that this show has here in America. There is a world war being um, waged and raging right now. The line has been drawn. And it's very similar in a way to the lines that were drawn in World War II. In World War II, they were both Marxists. There was the, the communist Marxist. They were for international socialism. And then there was Mussolini and there was, uh, uh, there was Hitler who were national socialists, okay? They're both talking socialism. But then there was the, three, the third party, and that was the freedom people. Those people are not at the table. Those people are in the streets right now, and no one is listening to them, and everyone is labeling them crazy. All right, so let me, let me take you through this, because it's critical that you understand this, because what if I told you, by 2030, you will only be able to get three new outfits. You can buy three new outfits per year, and that's it. Sound crazy? What if I said by 2030, the goal is to have no one on earth eating dairy? Sound crazy? Of course it does. Of course it does. We've never thought of this kind of stuff throughout the world. I'll show you tonight the actual plan and those goals by 2030. And they are coming fast. Let me show you. Here's how this breaks up. We have the East and the West. The West is the U.S., the EU, Great Britain, Australia, New Zealand. Then we have these institutions like the WEF, the World Economic Forum, the UN, the IMF, the World Bank. SWIFT is one of the tools that they use to be able to cripple their uh, opposing side. And then you have the corporations, things and stuff and finance. Okay. Okay. 
That's our army, the army of the West, public-private partnerships. That is the West getting in bed with corporations and finance and government. And they mix it all up, and it's a new style of government. The Axis power is the East. They don't mind nationalizing everything. It's Russia, China, Iran, Turkey, Saudi Arabia. Their organization's BRICS, the Shanghai Co-op Organization, which is trying to now um, dethrone the dollar. The cross-border interbank payment system, which is now their answer to SWIFT. You have OPEC, Huawei, TikTok, and Really, everything that is in the arsenal, all of the oil companies in Russia, uh, all of the companies in China, they all really belong to China because they've been nationalized. Here, we'll have some private ownership of giant corporations, but it'll be a public-private partnership. And I just thought of something. Axis, this would also be the Axis. There's an Axis and Axis power. Because nobody's fighting for freedom. Both sides want to control the land, control the food supply in great detail, control energy, control finance, and your dollar, your money. They will control all of that, which basically adds up to controlling you. You are the allied force. And there are people like you all over the world, farmers all over the world that are speaking out. That's what this is really, truly all about. All of it. As we speak, the elites at the World Economic Forum are making their plans to fly their corporate jets to Davos and next week attend their 53rd annual meeting. I want to show you their published agenda check out their top two items of concern. And I want you to keep in mind the authoritarian pressure points I just mentioned. Control the food, control the energy, control the money, control the people. Look at this. Number one, address the energy and food crisis. We, the food crisis and the energy crisis are man-made by these people. Number two, address inflation a new system for investment, trade, and infrastructure. They have every pressure point nailed down in just the first couple of paragraphs. Items three and four descri uh, describe new social vulnerabilities and the new system based on technology. I'm going to show you tonight what this might mean later in the program. And Orwell's 1984 ain't got nothing on what is being built. And lastly, item five talks about the current geopolitical risks in the context of a new system. You can kind of feel it like, I think what they're going for is a new system. I think they want to say a new world order must be killing them, but they're a new system. They even mention Russia and Ukraine. And I know what you must be thinking because it's been in my mind since, oh, I don't know, 2013, 2014. Why the heck is Ukraine so important to the globalists? I mean, Obama and Biden made, their, made Ukraine their jihad back in 2014 and 2015. We did extensive shows on this, and none of it really makes sense. They took it on themselves to overthrow and then rebuild Ukraine, assisted, as I've showed you in the past, by people like George Soros. 
Keep in mind the timing of all of this. Ukraine turns away from Russia, and that coincides with the initial phase of the Great Reset. It wasn't called the Great Reset at the time. It was then called the 2015 Paris Accords. The entire Western world was creating a system to use ESG as an enforcement mechanism to seize control. They were looking to use food, energy, and finance to, uh, to use as a boot to make all of that happen. Russia was seen as one of their major hurdles. Oh, Putin wanted the same general outcome as the globalists, full control of the masses, but he just wanted to do it another way. Both sides were bad, but Ukraine was a heck of a bargaining chip in the opening salvos of this war. When you wonder why Ukraine is so important to both sides, consider this context. It is the flashpoint to this global authoritarian proxy war. And if there is any doubt about this, check out what is currently happening. Zelensky was scheduled to speak at the World Economic Forum one week from today. The global financiers of ESG, BlackRock, they're now coordinating with Zelensky to fund the rebuilding of Ukraine. BlackRock is now playing the role of George Soros that he played in 2015. We are directly in the middle of a globalist versus nationalist authoritarian war. It started eight or nine years ago, but nobody talked to you about it because you're really not in the plan. You are, um, well, I, I hope that you won't be considered a useless eater, but that is actually on their agenda and in their plans as well. What do we do with all the, worth, uh, the worthless and useless eaters? For places like Ukraine, it has already devolved into bombs and bullets. Will Taiwan be next? In other places of the world, the war is becoming uh, more subtle and using more subtle weaponry. But full control is what they're after. I want to show you exactly what is happening and how it's coming down next. You know, um, I remember years ago, somebody said to me, Venezuela, you know, it was a prosperous nation. And 20 years later, it was a communist hellhole that could happen here. Yeah, well, people told me that when we began this fight about 20 years ago. I'm going to show you tonight how we become Venezuela. The globalist authoritarians have crossed the Rubicon in their manufactured world war. There is no going back for them, and we're already seeing the ramifications in the poorer or least developed countries. Earlier this summer, I talked about the near full collapse of Sri Lanka. There's a video of thousands of angry Sri Lankans storming the presidential palace in the midst of years of economic crisis. They had no money, they had no food, they had been fully priced out of everything, including gas and energy. Every single pressure point that I've been talking about culminated in this complete hysteria and panic and the overthrow of the government. Now, let me take you back to 2018. The prime minister of Sri Lanka wrote this now deleted article for the World Economic Forum. 
It is, this is how I will make my country rich by 2025. The article specifically accredited the World Economic Plan called Vision 2025 that would slowly begin to make their country a financial juggernaut. It's, um, it's a little vague on how they'd actually do it, but they do mention a few things. See if any of these sound familiar. Progressive schooling, land reform, private public partnerships, and a new World Bank strategy to open up finances. In other words, print money. Well, how did it work? It didn't work out well, okay? People in the streets, hunger, Venezuela. According to their prime minister, the country went bankrupt. So what happened? What played out from 2018 until last summer? Well, farmers are always the first people to get hit. And Sri Lanka completely upended their food supply with, see if it sounds familiar, a ban on fertilizer. This devastated the farm industry. But hey, at least the government could claim to have a high ESG score, right? Making matters worse, but right in line with the UN and Davos, WEF, Sri Lanka embarked on an insane fiscal policy of high debt, money printing, and spending. Sound familiar? 500,000 people fell below the poverty line in just a couple of years. Now, you would think that if anybody was honest, you would look at this test and say, that is a complete catastrophic failure. If it was a complete success, I would say, wow, maybe they should try it again. Not here yet, but maybe they should try it again. If they could keep repeating this, why would we be against it? There is no way that the West would begin implementing this if the results are this and we're sane, right? But the Rubicon has already been crossed. About a month ago, it was reported that the Netherlands was forcing 3,000 farms to close in order to comply with the European Union's insane emissions mandates. By the way, let's not just stop at the Netherlands. We have Germany, uh, we have Italy. The farmers are being told, you can't use fertilizer. Sri Lanka, America, you can't just upend food supplies like this. It is exactly the kind of thing that caused Sri Lanka push it into crisis. But no one except the farmers are saying anything. And no one in the mainstream media really is. Germany is banning farmers from uh, properly fertilizing their land. Again, EU's ridiculous green revolution. The end results of this are going to be obvious. We've seen the proof. The price of food will skyrocket. People will go hungry. And you have to ask yourself whether this is stupidity or intentional. Well, I know, I was going to say I believe, but I know because I literally wrote the book on it and I got a new one coming. It is intentional. Control the land, control the food, control the people. And people won't be able to buy their way out of this because controlling finances is a major part of the power play. We just saw that the country of Nigeria is currently restricting ATM cash withdrawals of $45 per day. 
Why? Because their government is doing what all the other authoritarians are trying to do by creating a digital state-backed currency. You see, cash is the enemy in this system because it can't be tracked. People can use cash to buy whatever they want, sometimes nefarious things, sometimes great things. Well, it's not allowed in this new world authoritarian order. The Bank of England recently debated the central bank digital currencies. If anyone's on the fence of whether this would be good or not, listen to this part of the debate. Quote, you could introduce prog program pro programmability. What happens if one of the participants in a transaction puts a restriction on the future use of money? There could be some socially beneficial outcomes from that, preventing activity which is seen to be socially harmful in some way. In other words, if they don't want you buying things like gas, sugary drinks, or guns, they just turn off your purchasing power. If you say something that is harmful, they'll just turn off your purchasing power. America, you've got to wake up. Our friends on the other side have got to wake up. Let's say you want financial support. Uh, and you want to financially support uh, protests for farmers. They just want to keep their land. The state could turn off those funds. We saw it in Canada. I find it amazingly um, an opportune moment here that as the war in Ukraine was just beginning, just three days after Russia invaded, the International Monetary Fund started promoting central bank digital currencies. Coincidence or simply part of the plan? This is a global coup. It's a war, and it's a war between the nation states. Some of them, like China and Russia, want to be national, and then the West wants to be just a, I don't know, the UN or some awful fascistic thing. And then there's you and me and, and reasonable Democrats that think all of this stuff is crazy. It's not. It's all provable on their own websites. In my book, I've got pages and pages of, of footnotes. I have over a thousand footnotes in the next book. And the next book, if you thought this was scary, the other one will curl your hair and your toes. In some countries, they are just seizing the power to control land, food, energy, and finance. In other countries, it's a slow, methodical process, depending on how much people are used to freedom. What's happening in Europe right now is exactly what we will be facing very soon. In some cases, we already are there. In fact, the battle is already being fought on American soil about American soil. I'll show it to you when we come back. The war has already landed on U.S. soil. They, the globalists, the elites, the big government all around the world, want to nationalize everything without ever having to say the word. It'll be a public-private partnership. They know if they control the land, the food, the money, and the energy, they control you. This is what the left's green agenda is really all about. How many times have we heard about blackouts in California? So why would be why would people be pushing to uh, shut down dams, hydroelectric power, and close their last nuclear power plant? 
It was just announced that Joe Biden is weighing a national ban on gas stoves. Already in Washington state, and Hochul in New York has just uh, introduced a bill. Washington state already has it. It didn't even go. It went through a committee. They signed it, changed the law. No votes. Because of global warming, we're not supposed to use natural gas because of harmful pollutants released by the appliances in our homes. This is crazy. This is absolutely madness. And it is just being pushed through. How the heck have we survived the past 100 years with all those maniacal gas stoves running around unbaited? What will happen to the local diner? What will happen to low-income families that depend on cheaper gas bill versus a more expensive electric bill? How do we make all of the electric that will replace the gas, which I think is about 40%? It's impossible. Since the left is now worried about what may or may not be harmful to our health, you might think that it might be time to start addressing the 3,000-pound elephant in the room. Here's a graph that shows excess deaths in both uh, United States and Europe. It is, it's below flat in January 2020. The dark line shows COVID-19 deaths, okay? After the 2021, uh, after 2021, the excess death line skyrockets. Well, what is causing all of those excess deaths? What happened in 2021? Why are the rates still higher than usual? This time frame coincides with something, right? Gee, what could it be? I have a feeling, you know, it might be a future show. They won't answer the questions because they have a stake in it. They'll keep pushing us into one sing single unreliable form of energy because they have a stake in it. They'll back their public-private partners in green energy, the ones they've subsidized, the ones they funded and ultimately control because they have a stake in it. They've moved uh, on our energy supply. I've showed you in the past how they're moving on our money by pushing forward with a Fed-controlled digital dollar. But I think the scariest thing is happening right now. It's probably the one with the most dangerous ramifications. It is the war going on between the global and nationalist authoritarians. And it is a battle for America's farmland. Before I begin, check out a few of these stats. 40% of American farmland, 40% is currently owned by Americans over 65. That means that somewhere around 370 million acres of farmland will be sold off in the next 20 years or less. But here's the thing. The war for farmland is causing a skyrocketing of prices. A few months ago, a farm in Iowa sold for $25,000 per acre. To say that land prices are setting all-time records would be a complete understatement. Who can afford the prices? And you know, it's really weird. In my small town, a uh, community of ranchers and farmers, uh, they don't really have a choice because they're being driven out of business. They can't make the money because of all of these new things that are happening. Uh, and somebody's offering them a record sum. They're taking it. 
It isn't Farmer Joe who has lived and worked on his farm for the past hundred years that is the problem. It is large investment firms and billionaire financiers. On the real estate side, heavy-hitting investors like BlackRock are buying up at a record-shattering amount of U.S. homes. They're not the only ones. For farms and ranches, it's people like Bill Gates. This graphic shows Bill Gates' footprint on American farmland. Now, what is it that he knows that you and I don't know? He's nearing 300,000 acres spread out all over the country of farmland. He's never really struck me as a guy with a pitchfork. Current farmers being aged and priced out of their land, Gates, his total is only going to go up. Now, I wonder what old Bill might do with all that land. Well, listen to this. Well, the Gates Foundation has partnered with Diffit on a great number of things, and uh, among those are, are work we do together on livestock, uh, helping animals survive uh, either by having vaccines or better genetics, uh, helping them be more productive. It's making a big difference. Oh, so vaccinating and screwing with the genetics of livestock. Oh, that's great. I mean, I totally trust the Gates on this one, don't you? The food supply is perfectly safe. Now, what do investment firms like BlackRock and people like Bill Gates have in common? Well, they're all on board with the Great Reset. That vision of the world is their end game. The globalists are gobbling up our farmland. They're encroaching on control of the food supply, but they're not alone. And this is a war. Nationalists from foreign countries are hot on their heels. Foreign entities are gobbling up U.S. land at record numbers. As of 2020, 37.6 million acres of U.S. farm and ranch land were held under foreign ownership. 37 million. They doubled down, recently buying land in Oklahoma, Texas, and Colorado. Their purchases hit 40% growth rate in just 2020. So what's going on there? One Chinese government-linked group bought farmland near the Great Forks uh, Air Force Base in North Dakota. How are we allowing this? I mean, forget about the Air Force Base. A former member of the Chinese Red Army bought the land near Laughlin Air Force Base here in Texas. I got to tell you, I am so embarrassed to be a Texan right now. What, where is our governor? Where is our Senate and House? I'll tell you where they are. There are majority Republicans who are not conservatives. They are all in on this kind of stuff. Where is Ron DeSantis? He should ban Chinese from buying any more land. This is really dangerous. In Texas, it's a sensitive military base. And uh, they also have uncomfortable access to our power grid. Buyers from communist China bought 6.1 billion in U.S. land in 2021, by far the most of any other foreign buyer. Control the land, control the food, control the energy. Like Chinese wind farms in Texas, control the people. It is war and is being fought under our noses. But which is the biggest national security risk? Is it the Chinese buying up all the farm and ranch land? Or is it the globalist great resetters? 
I think it's both. I don't see a difference between the two. So what is the future if the globalists win? Remember, that's the Axis power, our side. What happens if they gain full control? In a nutshell, private ownership and privacy will all be things of the past. Not my words, their. Their words will all be taken out of rural areas and thrown together in giant megacities. Not my words, their words. You know, and this happens after the, you know, giant food and energy crisis that they will create, think Sri Lanka. But there's already a plan for this. And the World Economic Forum calls them smart cities, which seems great. Progressive urban designers, like the UK headquartered uh, ARUP group, they have their own section on the WEF website. They're gaming what smart cities might look like. It's kind of exciting. What would life be like in these cities? Well, here you go. Their plan for 2030, your family will eat zero amounts of meat and zero amounts of dairy. Each person will be restricted to 2,500 calories a day. What? Each family member will only receive three new items of clothing per year. This is on the World Economic site. There will be zero privately owned vehicles. This article on the uh, website actually quotes Klaus Schwab and his references uh, in the fourth industrial revolution. They talk about utilizing technologies like 5G, quantum computing, artificial intelligence for, quote, reshaping the built environment. I got to tell you, this is the scariest stuff I have ever written. I mean, utopians in 1984, that stuff couldn't be done 20 years ago. This is George Orwell on steroids, and it all can be done and is being done. And you'll have no choice but to live in one of these cities. There will be nowhere else to go. This is why I said, if you're a liberal, please, don't, you don't have to trust me. I'm not asking for your trust. I'm asking, asking you to do your own homework and look at the insane plan. They're getting away with it because people are saying, that's crazy. It's happening. And soon it will be too late. And we're the only ones that are going to stand. We're the allied powers. You, the people in Germany and Holland and England that know this isn't right. They, they have to stand up. That's why they're under attack. That's why they're called dangerous. They need to keep us apart from each other. Authoritarians on both sides want to take what you have away. Private ownership denies them for what they want so desperately, and that is control. Back in a minute. Uh, Justin Haskins, who is the co-author of my last book and this next book that is coming out, are you a little exhausted after today, going over the book? Uh, yeah, exhausted, <laughs> depressed. Uh... It is, it's really terrifying, but... Here's the good news. Last year, we thought nothing. There was no way out. We released that book a year ago today. No way out. Today, at least America is on the path to stopping all of yeah. this stuff. Europe's gone. In fact, I think something, please explain what the what European Union just did and their 
just about to finalize it in ink. Yeah. Uh, and it will affect every life here in America. Yeah, the European Union is on the verge of making a mandatory social credit scoring system, an ESG system. They call it due diligence in Europe, but it's exactly the same thing. It's already passed all the different sort of legislative houses. They're just getting to the point in the European Union where they got to hammer out the final details and come up with a final draft. I've been told it's highly likely that will happen some point this year. It could mm -hmm. happen very soon. It could be later in mm -hmm. the year. But when but it, it happens, happening. yes, it is going to happen. And when it happens, what it will do is it will create a mandatory ESG system set by Europe, enforced by countries in Europe with penalties for companies that don't comply. And it will apply to not only every company that's based in Europe, but all of the large companies that do about 150 million euros in revenue in the European Union, regardless of where they're based. So that means American companies like Ford and McDonald's and Apple and Amazon and all these big companies that do business in Europe. But the really insidious part of it isn't just that they will now have to adhere to all these ESG standards. It's also, which are filled with woke far left wing things, but also they are going to now impose those standards on every company in the supply chain for these different companies. So if you supply some kind of product to help Ford and you are in Youngstown, Ohio, you have nothing to do with Europe, it doesn't matter. Ford is now going to be responsible for imposing those standards on you. Otherwise, you lose your contract with Ford. Correct. Imagine what this means to Amazon. I mean, yeah. everyone who sells anything on Amazon has to have an ESG score. That This is such tentacles that just spread out so much. It's a way to make sure that no matter where you are, you have an ESG score. Right. Uh, and we got to stand up uh, uh, against it. Um, we were talking of farmland here a minute ago. I mean, isn't it crazy the... The organization that was putting out, you know, they expect to be able to have three new outfits for each citizen, you know, by 2030. That's yeah. crazy stuff. Oh, absolutely crazy stuff. And it's just getting started. That's the insane thing. There's so much more of this to come. And there's really no, they're, what they're trying to do is put the entire Western world on a track and close all, they've already done that. And now they're closing all the exit ramps and they're closing it so that... Uh, more and more of them, increasingly more, so that there's nowhere for you to go. So you have fewer and fewer options in every part of your life, and they're normalizing it as if this is the way things have always been. When in reality, this is not anywhere near the way things and it, have been. And it's really amazing because I, I, in our in our new book, there's a section we were um, uh, we have where we're talking about housing and how you will be housed and you know what that will mean. And the utopian view is: imagine you have a house and a community and everything that you need, and your business. Business is right there. Yeah, that's called Foxconn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> called Foxconn. Yeah. yeah, it's it's insane. And these ideas have been around for a long time. Urban in various yeah. forms of urban planning and right. other things where they imagine, I mean, the the sort of genesis of projects, the idea of the mm -hmm. projects was this idea that we could build this utopian world where everyone could live right in one spot. It'd be so good for the environment and they could walk to all these shops and places that would be right next to each other. And then when they actually tried implementing it, it was a total disaster. Mm -hmm. They haven't learned their lesson from that. They're doubling down on it. And it's very clear that the people at the World Economic Forum and at other institutions globally, the United Nations, EU, et cetera, want a world. They want it. They're very clear about this where most people live in relatively small spaces, so we're talking about small homes, apartment complexes, 
uh, geographically small places. Mm. They're living mostly in cities because it's all good for the environment, of course. And think about how much better public transportation would be. Think about how much better the world would be. Your job would be so much closer. They're reimagining, and in their words, redesigning, reimagining the future. And you're not part, the regular people are not part of that conversation. Well, you will get 2,500 calories a day. So that's (laughs) good. Uh, Wow, doesn't that feel awful? Um, The the other thing that... um, that strikes me this week. Friday, I heard about a global warming study that had been done by some global warming, um, you know, uh, think tank. tank. And it said how dangerous gas was, you know, natural gas in our homes. Very, very dangerous. And I thought, that is crazy. Now, this study came out, I think, in November, but I just saw it on Friday. Um, Then on Monday, I read about how Richard Trumpka for the Consumer Protection Agency is now having public hearings on whether we should just ban gas stoves and gas fire and, and, you know, all gas in homes. Um, And then the next day, I heard that Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, is putting in a bill to get rid of all gas in, in homes of new homes. And today I just write, I just read that the in November, when that thing first came out, the state of Washington decided they were just going to regulate it through an agency. The agency that rules all construction just put in no gas, no gas in any new building. That's right. Yep. That I mean there is no debate. Yep. There is, and it is it's too far to think that I read a story, and I'm looking for this stuff, I read a story and I think they'll never ban natural gas in homes. It's too, and it's already being done. Yeah. The bills are already written. Yeah, and and really, in a lot of ways, I think you can lay the blame at least partially on, or largely on, on Republicans. Yeah. And, and state legislatures and others who, for decades and decades and decades, gave more and more of their legislative powers away and vested them either in the federal government in the case of states or in, in, the, in the case of federal government, they vested it in these agencies that now make all the decisions and all we do is just fund the agencies mm-hmm. and Congress and they make all, all the choices for us. The, legis- the whole concept that people have uh, that their lawmakers go to Congress and they represent them and they vote on these things. They That's don't. not true. Not true. In most cases, it's some agency. That's what the Freedom Caucus was yeah. really fighting yeah. for just last week. By the way, you want to stop this? Go and listen to the last 20 minutes of today's podcast from the radio show. Um, I talked to the leader of the State Freedom Caucus, and he's very clear. We've got to fight these things at the local level. That's it, because globally, it's already gone, and it is coming fast and furious. And one more thing. Book comes out, I don't know when, whenever the publisher says they can actually <laughs> print the book and, and get it out. Um, but congratulations uh, on the co-authorship of last year's book. Thank you. We never would have thought it made this much difference. No. I mean, it, 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 the world is different. America, at least, is different because of this audience reading that book. Without a doubt. And uh, this, this one, this is a, a three-part series, we think. This one is scarier than the first. It'll be out soon. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Glenn. 
few minutes ago, I showed you something that was on the World Economic Forum a website about how many new clothes you can buy and how many eggs you can eat. More on that tomorrow is just the surface. Good night.